Got a great word, I believe, from the Holy Spirit for this morning as we get ready for Thanksgiving. In fact, we're going to jump right into it right now. We're going to skip all the, uh, all the announcements and stuff, save those for the end. But if you're new here, I do want to welcome you. We're really glad that you're here. We'd love to connect with you. Uh, you can follow the prompts on the screen there. We got a, uh, uh, a phone uh, number you can text to. And then at the end of the service, we're going to really worship the Lord in our giving this morning, not like we don't every other week, but I, I want to place a special emphasis on, on it this morning as a way to guard our hearts through the different schemes that the enemy sends our way through life. So uh, at the end of the service, we'll be doing that. But, but uh, we're so glad that you're here. And let me just say this too. We'll have some ministry at the end of every service. Um, and if you're brand new here, please uh, don't slip out. Run up here and say hi, introduce yourself. I got to meet some great people for a service. And, uh, and I'll be waiting for you. Our team will be waiting for you. We'd love just to get to, to know you and put a name with the face, all right? But we're really, really glad you're here. Are, are you all ready to get into the Word this morning? I'm turning everything upside down. All right, we're going to do it all backwards today. But it was actually right side up because the Holy Spirit's been doing this, all right? This is what he laid on my heart, and I think, I think you're going to enjoy it when we get to the, the grand finale, all right? You know, we're in a series, we just started called Matters of the Heart, Guarding Your Heart Through the Seasons of Plenty. Actually, this week, Through the Seasons of Plenty, but Through the Seasons of Life. And I shared last week, we all go through all different seasons. If you're on planet Earth for any length of time, you're going to have great moments, you're going to have hard moments, you're going to have painful seasons, you're going to have seasons of great blessing and prosperity. And how many of you have figured out the devil is, is still after our heart no matter what season you're you're in. He never takes a day off. And when I say he's after your heart, what he's really after is your faith. He's after that tender, responsive heart that God gave you when you were born again. Wave at me if you got a tender, responsive heart this morning. I'm just making sure, all right? If you're born again and you're not tender and responsive this morning, it just means that the enemy is after you and he's, he's out to neutralize the great heart God gave you, all right? So we want to stay tender, we want to stay responsive, and that heart is a heart that's full of faith in response to the Lord. And that's really what the devil's trying to do is neutralize your faith. How I many you know faith is the, is the key that overcomes the world? And so we need to always be moving in a sense of trust, reliance, dependence upon the Lord. Can I get an amen from you on that? And so here's the deal. Last week we said when people go through seasons of lack. You guys help me out because we've all been in seasons of lack. What is the big temptation in our hearts if you're going through a time when you're feeling like there's not enough or we're going to have enough to get by or it's just in general you feel like there's not enough. What is the temptation in your heart at that point? What wants to come out? Murmuring, complaining, right? We start speaking out of our mouth, you know, negativity. And I shared with you, be like David. You're going to go through seasons like that. Thank God for the Bible. Thank God for the Psalms. Take your heart to the Lord. Lay your complaints out to the Lord. Don't complain about the Lord, but take your complaint to the Lord. In other words, say, God, we need help. Lord, I'm asking you for this. Lord, you know our situation. Lord, you know our bank account. Father, I need a better job or I need a job or whatever it is. But you, you lay your request before the Lord, but you never complain about the Lord. Because when you complain about the Lord, you're literally biting the hand that's trying to feed you. How I many you know that's not a good policy? God's never at fault. And I shared with you, through all the seasons of life, He's really trying to father us. Now, this is really good. So instead of being angry and shaking our fist, put your hands down, open your hands up, and invite the Lord into your situation and say, Father, I know there's something you're trying to teach me about yourself. I know there's something you're trying to bless us with, provide for. I'm going to stop doing this and start doing this. I mean, that's a huge shift. People that do this are angry, bitter, frustrated people. But people who do this and worship are people who allow God to father them. 
And, uh, and learning the Father heart of God through life is a huge gift God's trying to give us so that we always trust him no matter what's going on. Our default is to go to the Lord and say, Father, I trust you because you're a good father. You're a loving father. You're a wise father. You're a rich father. You have all that I need. And so go to the Father. That's the point. But let me ask you this question. Of course, as we're approaching this Thanksgiving season, it's good for us as a nation to pause and to remember who we're thanking for the blessings that we have here as, as Americans. How many of you are grateful, even in this crazy season that we're in, there's still God on, on his throne, and he's still a good God, and he's blessed us in spite of, let's put it this way, more than we deserve. Can I get an amen on that one? More than we deserve. And here's the situation. So what do you do when life is good? What do you do when you're blessed? What do you do when your hearts are full? Um, what is the temptation you think the devil wants to bring your way when everything is going well? How about this? Pride, self-sufficiency, independent spirit. Isn't it amazing that, that when you're going through the rough times, how many of you have been through some rough times? Wave at me. What happened in your relationship with the Lord? What tends to happen? You press in. How many of you have done that? You press in because you're desperate. What happens to your prayer life? You talk to God more. What happens you know, to, your, to your time in God's Word? You're reading more. Why? Because you need answers. You need help. You need, a, you need the problem. What happens to your church attendance? What happens to your marriage class attendance? All right, now I'm, now I'm messing with you all. All right. In other words, when there is a crisis, it turns, it turns us as a people to go back to the Lord. I mean, you know, in that regard, crisis is a blessing because all you're taking with you in this life is your relationship with Jesus. And so sometimes crises of life can be actually be our friends because they cause the roots to go really deep and they cause us to go after God. But how I many you know it's totally in, uh, consistent with God's character that when we're in that season of pain and brokenness, God doesn't ever keep us there as we continue to press in. He brings us along a path of healing and leads us into green pastures, amen? We will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I just got to say, you know, Friday night we had an amazing night of celebration. And uh, I want to thank our worship team and our sound crew and everybody that does everything that they do to be such a blessing uh, to us and to create a night like that. But right here, Marion and I were over here in the corner, and there was a precious, precious family and a precious woman who had been through incredible loss, lost her son in a tragic situation. And our church family really reached out to her and loved her. And so how many of you know at the moment of that loss, there's not much you can do but hug people, love people, pray for people, and let them know that you're going to be there for them. And then you know, you know what you do? You put them in the hands of the Lord. Well, I got to tell you last night, if you live long enough, you will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and God will bring you from your lowest point and go full circle and bring you to a place of incredible blessing. And I was over there. The thing that touched my heart last night was not so much the song selection, which was amazing or anything like that, but I'm three feet away from a woman who I watched at her lowest point in life when she's trying to hold on to something and I watched her with her hands raised, worshiping Jesus with a radiant joy coming off of her face, tears running down her cheek. She had to pause in the midst of all that to run over because she saw Marion and give her a big hug and said, thank you for loving on me at my worst time. Thank you for hugging me. Thank you for cheering me on because we're in such a good place now. Our marriage is in a good place and our children are in a good place. How many of you know that's the faithfulness of God? But here's my question to you. Why is it that when God brings us from the low place to the high place, we have this nasty habit of forgetting him. 
Why is it when you're desperate because your marriage is broken and you need help, you show up in marriage class for a year, and then when God heals your marriage, you forget how you got healed, and you turn away, and oh, you know, when you were so desperate for God to bless you with that job, and then he blessed you with that job, but then the job allowed you to work doubles and triples and quadruples, and you stopped coming to the place where God blessed you and where his hand of prosperity was on you. I've seen the prosperity of God cause people to get ruined spiritually. Because you're like, I don't need God anymore. I'm, I'm a fat cat, man. I can look at my paycheck. I, I'm working doubles and triples. I got money in the bank now. I don't need God. Oh, you're, more, you're at, a, at a more dangerous place now than you were when you were desperate for God. And you had nothing. Because now that independent, haughty spirit crops up. And can I just say this? If you're the most blessed person on planet Earth and you love Jesus, hallelujah, but God never wants to create inside of you a spirit of independence from him. Which means, listen to me, your bank account is irrelevant to what I'm talking about right now. No matter what you have, if you're a believer, you listen to God and you obey him. And God will push your buttons at a higher level just like he pushes your buttons at the lower level. Everybody know what I'm talking about? In other words, I'm never to get satisfied with the amount of money I have in the bank. Because the minute I am... I'm like the guy that foolishly built more and more silos, and God said, you fool, tonight I'm, I'm, your life is coming on account. This is the end. This is the end of your life tonight, and you spend all this time building stuff in that independent, haughty, prideful spirit instead of living for me and letting me be a conduit for what God wants to do through me. So here's what I want to look at today is favor-induced forgetfulness, all right? Favor-induced forgetfulness. In other words, when the blessing of God is on our lives, it often produces in our hearts forgetfulness and independence. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Lord your God, and we're starting in verse 10, the Lord your God will soon bring you into the land that he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It is a land with large, prosperous cities you didn't build. The houses will be richly stocked with goods you didn't produce. You're going to be drawing water from cisterns you did not dig, and you're going to be eating from vineyards and olive trees you did not plant. I mean, this is a pretty good deal right here. When you have eaten your fill, that means there's plenty to go around. Have seconds, please. Have thirds. Look at verse 12. Be careful not to forget the Lord. Everybody say, be careful. Be careful not to forget the Lord who rescued you from the slavery in the land of Egypt. I want you to see something here. The Lord says, when you enter the land. How many of you know when God makes a promise to us, he always says, when. In other words, it's going to happen. We need to get a win in our spirit, a W-I-N, but a W-H-E-N. When God promises you something, his word is sure. He said, I made this promise to Abraham and Isaac and to Jacob. He says, I'm bringing you from this place where you were in slavery and bondage. You're now going to come into big, prosperous cities that you didn't lift a finger to build. I mean, you know, this is incredible. They're going to be possessing lands and possessing cities and property that they're going to be dispossessing the previous inhabitants of the land because it was part of God's covenant promise to them. He said, you're going to be living in houses. 
richly stocked with goods you did not produce. Imagine walking into a really nice subdivision and the door's wide open and the Lord's saying, this is your house now. And you walk in, you open the refrigerator, it's stocked with food. And the Lord said, yeah, you didn't do anything for that. I blessed you with that. Enjoy. How many know that's a pretty good deal? How many of you have figured out too that digging wells by hand is kind of hard work? So when God says, see all these wells out here, these cisterns full of water, you didn't move one shovel full of dirt for that. But there's fresh water and you get to drink every day. Pretty cool, huh? Yes, thank you, Lord. This is amazing. Your eyes are getting all big. You're looking around like, I cannot believe this. And see, he says, see those beautiful vineyards out there and those olive trees that are now full and mature, producing fruit? You didn't plant those 30 years ago, but I did, and they're yours now, so enjoy the fruit of that harvest. How many think this is a pretty good deal? And all the Lord says to them is don't forget. Don't forget where it came from. Don't fall in love with the blessings that I'm giving you more than the one who's giving you the blessings. In other words, always love me and put me in that preeminent place. Love me first, honor me first, never forget my blessing. But you all know the story, man, when you read through the Old Testament, it's depressing because it's cyclical, isn't it? They go from deliverance and healing and blessing and amazing favor of God all the way down to idol worship and back into bondage again. And then God brings them out again in his mercy. And it's this vicious cycle of independence and self-centeredness that just breaks your heart. Look what happens in, in Deuteronomy 32, verse 15. But Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. How's that for a good thanks, pre-Thanksgiving message right there, all right? I'm trying to be as relevant as I can. Now, now, obviously, there's a spiritual meaning to that verse, but God's not talking about spiritual meanings there. He's saying, literally, I have blessed you so much, and you have engorged yourself so much with my blessing that you are now heavy, plump, stuffed, fat, and we could say sassy, all right? Sassy, unruly is just another word for you. Become rebellious. Hey, am I talking to the right crowd in here? Have any of you lived in, in a situation where you were just blessed? Like you're looking around going, man, I'm blessed. And before you know it, you start drifting. Your heart starts drifting from God. And before you know it, you're like, ah, I just think I'll sleep in. I don't need to get up and go to church. I'm good. Me and God, we're good. We're good. We're good. And then you interpret the blessing of God as his big kiss, like, oh, he's just blessing everything that you're doing because you're blessed. How many know you can be in the blessing of God and not be receiving the blessing in terms of the favor of God because God looks at your heart, not what everybody else is looking at. So we look at the exterior and say, man, that guy must be really, really blessed. But God cuts through all the materialism and looks right at our hearts, and he can tell whether we're blessed or not based on the condition of our heart. Look at what they did next. Because they were fat, unruly, heavy, plump, and stuffed, they abandoned the God who made them, and they made light of the rock of their salvation. So what happened? They were running hard after God. They literally ran into the blessing of God. And then they abandoned God. They turned their back on the Lord. And this next word, this next phrase is important. They made light of the rock of their salvation. That means to not esteem properly. It means to not value the way you should value it. It means to not give the priority and the preeminence that God deserves. You treat him lightly. How many of you think this is exactly where Americans are right now? We've been so fat, plump, sassy, rebellious, abandoned God the rock of our nation, we've turned our back. And, and how many of you know there'll be people on Thursday that'll be celebrating Thanksgiving and they have no idea who they're thanking? 
fact, they're probably not thanking anybody. They're patting themselves on the back for all of their incredible successes. I mean, you know, that's a scary place to be, especially because we are the, the most blessed of the nations of the world because of the Lord's blessing. It's a scary place to be when you abandon him and you turn your back on him. So I want to give us some helpful practical things this morning from the scripture because how many of you know you have to, we have to guard our hearts to be able to steward true prosperity. And I, I want to be really clear about this. This message this morning, even like the message last week, the message last week was not a, a we should all live in, in, in pain and lack and need because that makes us spiritual people. We don't glorify poverty. I mean, you know, very clearly poverty is from the pit of hell, all right? Uh, we're helping people in Pakistan right now in poverty. We're helping people in India in poverty. There's nothing, nothing spiritual about poverty. It's, it's from the pit of hell. So we fight poverty. But how many of you know it's also a lie to suggest that the more prosperous you are, the more holy you are, and the better faith you have, the stronger faith you have, as if your faith and your prosperity always go hand in hand. How many know that's a myth as well? This is not an anti-prosperity message. In fact, hear me. I'm trying to teach us to guard our hearts so our passion for Jesus remains the same whether we're going through narrow times or fat times. And I just want to say over all y'all, I pray fat times over all y'all so that we can be used by God to be a blessing that he intends the church to be. I mean this with all my heart. I want us to learn this so I set us up for greater prosperity, not for less prosperity. Y'all with me? Greater prosperity. So look at this amazing passage of Scripture. I'm going to talk about first fruits and fathers. Deuteronomy chapter 26. I want to start reading in verse 1. Deuteronomy 26 verse 1. When you enter the land your God is giving you as a special possession. Notice the when there again. It's going to happen. When you get there, this is the land God's given you. It is property. It is his special possession. He's putting it in your hands. Notice you have to conquer it, and you've got to settle there. So that's our part. That's the fight of faith. God gives it. We have to fight for it. Put some of the first produce from each crop that you harvest into a basket and bring it to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be revered. Notice again, God is faithful. He's going to perform what he promised. That's why it says when. And then he says, uh, God gives it to us. We got to conquer it. But notice too, the land and the harvest, both the land and what it produces are from the Lord, so we can't boast in it. And then he says, bring the first produce. Now I got to pause right here. This is a great teachable moment. This is an agrarian society. Their whole livelihood depends on, on farming, all right? It's, it's what they plant, what they sow, what they reap. Pretend like you're a nice big field, okay? We don't have big John Deere, heavy equipment, combines, all this stuff. We're not planting acres and acres in one day's work. How I mean, you know to plant a field this size, it might take several weeks of work, all right? It's, you're doing it with your hands. You're doing it maybe with an ox or oxen, whatever. So each of you represents a row. So on my first day of hard work, I plant this row right here. It's looking pretty good. I like the seed. Good seed planted in this row. All right. The second day, I plant the second row. Third day, the third row. I mean, you know, it might be weeks before the last row of you all gets planted. This is what God says. When the very first of the field starts to come ripe, that's mine. Bring it to me. Now, I, I got to hit this. What day of the week are, is, is, is today? What, what, what is today, first of all? What day? Sunday, and what day of the week is it? It's not the weekend. Now, this is huge. I, I want to change your mind from thinking like a pagan to thinking like a believer. The reason you're here on Sunday is because the world says this is the weekend. You know what most people do on Sunday? 
They're, they're, they're overcoming their hangover or they're partying from Friday and Saturday. They're sleeping in. Uh, they might be sitting up hammering some beers, watching the Bears game. What a depressing future that is, all right? Um, <laughs> Jesus, deliver us from our vain lives, all right? Uh, but here's the deal. Sunday is my day at the end of my week to tie up any loose stuff I didn't get to. I work hard, the Lord knows. I'm a busy man, the Lord knows. I got leaves to rake, the Lord understands. Okay, if you want to take the first day of your week to start it off raking leaves, you can do that. More power to you. But that's how pagan people live. Godly people start the first day of their week doing this. And we bring the Lord our first and our best, not the leftovers from our weekend. This is a heart attitude. Please hear me. I am not preaching legalism. This is a heart issue. I start my week in faith. That's, that's Sunday morning, first thing. I'm giving God the best, and I'm giving God the first. Now, let me ask you a question. If I give God the first, row number one, how do I know that the rest of the stuff's going to come in? What if somebody comes and burns my field down? What if locusts come in and eat my field? What if I don't get any rain in the next few weeks and my field dries up? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? I'll tell you what if. I started my week off by showing up in the temple to bring the priest my first fruits because my faith is not in locusts or anybody else out there. My faith is that God Almighty is going to take care of the rest because faith is what God's after. Now, the, world just, the world's bringing God their garbage if they bring him anything. Do you know God Almighty rebuked his own people? He said, I'm so sick of your sacrifices. You're sitting there going, wait, God, you're the one who told us to bring these sacrifices. I, and God's going, I'm sick of them. Well, what was God really sick of? He was sick of the heart attitude. His people had lost their heart. The people forgot where they came from. And God says, look it, you're supposed to bring me the firstborn. You're supposed to bring me the best. You're supposed to bring me livestock without blemish. And you're bringing me these mangy critters. You're bringing me these animals that nobody would want. And you're offering that to me. Like, I'm impressed with that. I'm supposed to bless that. That's not faith. That's giving me your garbage. And then you're, you, you wonder why I'm not blessing you. You give me garbage. How do I bless garbage? You can't bless garbage. So God says, honor me with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Now this word first fruits, you got to hear this, is a Hebrew word that literally means the promise to come. Oh, this is so good. Jesus was our first fruit of a great harvest to come. You're all here today because Jesus was the seed that was planted in the ground. He was God's first, and he was God's best. He was God's first, and he was God's best. There's something intentional about this, and God willingly gives his son up to be murdered, butchered, slaughtered, crucified, buried in the ground. But I mean, you know, you're 
your rows 2 through 50 that are now coming forth in the harvest because Jesus was willing to give his best and to give his all. So here's the deal. The word first fruits means what's to come. So check this out. Lynn, hop up on your feet here. I told you I was going to use you as an illustration. Don't, don't look at me with that attitude. All right. Where, where'd your first fruits go? There it is. I, I love this about, about Lynn. She is, she's faithful. And every, every week she comes up, Pastor, will you pray over this first fruits? First, first fruits is above and beyond just bringing the Lord what's his. That's called the tithe, bringing the Lord what's his. First fruits means God has spoken to you in some way you're, and you're sowing ab- above that. She said, will you pray for my first fruits? Now, now here's a, a woman who is, uh, you're in the polished silver category, right? You're in that ministry. I am too. I just jumped in. I'm really excited about that. And, uh, and you're a single income, like no one else is contributing to your livelihood except the Lord and you. But you've been faithful all these years. So, 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 so. Listen, some people wonder, why do I not have anything? What have you planted? You're fat and sassy because you eat all the seed. You eat all the seed. And then you wonder, where's my harvest? Why is that person getting blessed? You ate it all. You had it for dinner. All of it. You're like a squirrel. You're like a chipmunk in the spirit. (laughs) Get the seed out of your mouth and plant it. If you eat it all, you got nothing. So you bring this to the priest it's not for the priest, it's for the Lord. He gets the glory, you get the blessing, but you got to bring it. And, it, and this, is the, this is the seed that makes sure rows 2 through 50 get blessed. Everybody understand the principle here. So that's why we're here on Sunday morning. That's why this is not the weekend. Never treat Sunday like the weekend unless you want to start your week off terribly. We start our week in faith. Sunday morning, I'm excited about what God has in store for me this week. How about you? Or else you're just ending this week going, oh, I'm so tired. Oh, my God, i got to go to work tomorrow. Oh, blah, blah. That's because you're living like a pagan. Stop it. This is a new week. So when we ask people, how was your week? It's Sunday morning. It's going to be great because I am planting, I'm sowing, I'm, I'm putting seed in the ground. Look at this. It gets better. Look at verse 3. Go to the priest in charge at that time and say to him, with this gift, I acknowledge to the Lord your God that I have entered the land he swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest will then take the basket from the hand and he will set it before the altar before the Lord. Check this out. Every week when we have a privilege of sowing, this is what we're saying. God, I'm acknowledging You have been faithful to your word because what's in my hand is here because of your blessing. So when you give, I'm helping you all out. Never give religiously. Never give, oh, what have I got? What have I got left over? No, no, be intentional about your giving because this is what you're saying. God, you are faithful. God, your word is true. God, you have provided for my family. God, I'm acknowledging with this gift that you're true to your word. You see how your your gift is something powerful? It's not a religious thing. It's something very, very powerful. Now, check out this next principle. I love this. Remember, God's trying to help us to keep us from becoming independent and prideful. Look at verse 5. You must then say in the presence of the Lord your God. Notice, say, he's speaking this out loud. My ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. I love this. God told him, when you come to the church, I'm putting it in our New Testament, 
You come to church, you bring the first and the best, not the leftovers. You say out loud, God, I'm acknowledging that you're faithful and true to your word. And then here's your next confession. My forefathers were wandering Aramaeans. It, that sounds so funny because you're like, what does that mean, Pastor? How about let me, let me New Testamentize it, all right? When, I, when My forefathers were unsaved. My forefathers were godless. My forefathers were alcoholics, drug addicts, lost, alienated, broken, cursors, blasphemers, adulterers, fornicators, whatever. That, that's, what, that's where I came from, but that's not who I am anymore. But that's where I came from. You're looking in the past and realizing God has saved you and put you on a different path. How many of you are on a different path than maybe a few generations ago in your family and you're a little bit grateful for it, all right? Check this out. My forefathers were wandering Aramaeans, the Bible says, my ancestors. His family arrived few in number, but in Egypt they became a large, mighty nation. When the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. He heard our cries. He saw our hardship, toil, and oppression. Now, check this out. Every week when we come to, to church on the first day of the week, the first morning of the week, our confession is, thank you, God, that's who I was. But that's not who I am. God, I used to deal with depression. Not anymore. I got the joy of the Lord. Father, I used to deal with addiction. Not anymore. I'm living in freedom. Lord, I used to be selfish and narcissistic. It was all about me. Not anymore. Now I have a tender, responsive heart. God, I used to be piled under guilt and shame because of all those things that I did in the past. But Lord, not anymore. I am free from guilt and shame because of Jesus Christ and his blood. In other words, it's good to remember who you were because gratitude fills your heart, and then faith looks to the future and says, this is where I'm going. So I find this interesting that the Lord prescribed, by way of ceremony, a public confession that their forefathers were wandering Aramaeans. Means we had no place to call home, we had no stuff, we were on the move, we were vagabonds. Now we are in this, this nation that you blessed us with, with all of this financial blessing and prosperity. No more hardship, no more toil, no more oppression. And look at verse 8. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand, a powerful arm, with overwhelming terror in the hearts of the enemies, and with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to this place, and he gave us this land flowing with milk and and honey. Notice the Lord brought us out of Egypt. How many of you have been delivered from Egypt and you're excited about it? Come on. So this so what do you how do you how do you stay dependent upon God even while he's blessing you? You remember where you came from. In fact, it was prescribed. This was part of a confession that that they said when they came, this is who I was. Why would the Lord have you say that? I think of some of them when we go to our Celebrate Recovery meetings and things like that, and some believers don't like this when someone stands up and says, I, I, I'm a you know, believer in Jesus Christ, but, but this is who I was because we're all about positive confession and all that. I'm about positive confession too, but I'm also about negative remembering who I was so I can positively confess who I am. If you don't remember who you were, you don't appreciate who you are. So it's not negative to simply say, that's who I was. 
Thank God I'm not that person any longer. This is who I am and this is where I'm going. But if you forget the past and you forget the pain of the past and you forget the brokenness of the past and the poverty of the past, you'll never appreciate the present blessing of God in your life and you'll have a tendency to think you got there by yourself. And you didn't get there by yourself and neither did I. Now look at verse 10. I'm wrapping this up. And now, O Lord, I have brought you the first portion. Everybody say first portion. First portion of the harvest you have given me from the ground. Then place the produce before the Lord your God and bow to the ground in worship before him. I, I got to let you see this. We were once went through a season, you know, everybody at the time was, it was back in the, uh, the televangelist days, right? Uh, excesses, right? health, wealth, prosperity, uh, excesses, when they're bragging about having, you know, a doghouse with gold fixtures. How many know your dog doesn't need gold fixtures, all right? I'm just being real clear. Doing that for your animal with kingdom money is an abomination, just to be clear. That, that, is, that is wicked, stupid. We got what we deserve. But here's what happened in the church. We got tired of everybody saying, oh, the church only cares about money. So you know what we did for a season? We just had baskets in the back. We didn't even take an offering during the service. In other words, we swang to the other, other pen, pendulum. Hey, we're, folks, we're not about money here. We, in fact, we just got a basket back there. You know, but, but here's the problem. That doesn't honor the Lord, and it doesn't let you worship. Because what you do with what God blessed you with is really important. And when you act like somehow God's trying to rob you, when God's the one who's blessed you, I can't think of anything more demonic. And can I just clarify something? The people that are screaming the loudest that all the church cares about is their money. Let me just tell you something. You care about money. How many of you got bills to pay? How many of you got Mr. Nipsco greeting you every month, sending you a nice letter? Yeah, he shows up. My, I, get, I get letters from Mr. Nipsco every month. Um, how many of you like to eat? Every hand should have gone up. The rest of you are lying. All right. <laughs> we all like to eat. Don't tell, me, don't tell me you don't like money or you don't care about money or, you, you know, liar, liar, pants on fire. What are you talking about? Of course money is important. It makes the whole world go around. That's why Jesus said you can't serve mammon and me at the same time because it's all about everything. Everything is about money. So don't act like you're super spiritual or something and all the church cares about is money. I'm preaching this message this morning not because we got Mr. Nipsco coming and we're broke. God is blessing his church. I'm wanting you to prosper. Remember this series. This series is about learning how to prosper in all seasons and guarding your heart. So how does God teach you to guard your heart? He says, give me the first of what I bless you with. Well, Lord, no, I, let me go through the week first, and if I got some stuff left over, then I'll bless you with that. He says, no, 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 you make me a priority. Well, you don't have to do that, but then you'll never learn how to steward true prosperity. How you know the Bible said true prosperity isn't even money, it's people and souls. So why do we need to learn how to steward stuff so we can steward really, really wealth, true wealth, people? People who are broken. I mean, you know, we need the glory of the Lord. So what did he say? When you come in, bring me the first, lay it down, bow down, and worship me. This is so good. So when, we, when it comes time to, I, I say, we're going to worship the Lord in our giving. Don't be like, oh, man, this church, God, all they do is pass the offering. Stop it. You know what? You have an attitude like that. That's what you get. God's trying to demonstrate his faithfulness to you, and you're grumbling. 
Or you reach in, you know, throw something like vom- it vomits out of your pocket. God's like, oh, that was really great. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that $5 bill. That was awesome. Don't be that kind of a person because God's trying to enlarge you. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to re- let us release gratitude. How about this? Can you believe that where you're at now is not where God wants you to stay? He wants to lead you into a more spacious place where he wants to trust you with more resources? Okay, two of you believe that. I want want all of you to believe that. I want you all to prosper exceedingly. How many of you know, instead of the New Testament church in the book of Acts, there was not one need among those people. They were all prospering, every one of them. that's, That's the New Testament church. That should be our testimony right here. So you cannot get there until God can trust you with stuff and that the stuff won't cause you to abandon him and become independent and quit. And let me give you one more point here, then we're going to pray. Look at how this passage ends. Afterward, go and party. That was my translation. Celebrate. Because of all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and to your household. Remember to include the Levites and the foreigners living among you in the celebration. Can I just tell you something? God is a party in God. Come on, say that. I heard that, Charlie. Yeah, God. Yep, yep, yep. I heard that. Yep. God says, don't be given tithes and offerings and first fruits with his long face. He said, man, after you sow, go and party. Go and celebrate. Go love people. Go live your life. Go, listen, enjoy the blessings of God. Nobody should feel badly about the blessings of God. I know Marion and I, we were on a mission trip one time, and this precious family cooked for us on a dirt floor, a uh, little, little pot over in the corner with fire under it, and she came home, and we went to wash dishes with our, with our dishwasher, and she just stood there crying, and she said, I don't, even, I don't even want a dishwasher. I feel so guilty for having a dishwasher. I said, stop it! <laughs> Not quite. I appreciated her heart, but how you know her? It wasn't right. The whole purpose of taking the gospel is not so that we all live in abject poverty, but that we lift the nations of the world to the blessings of knowing Jesus and following his principles and experiencing his provision. Come on. So we're lifting up people everywhere. So we still have a dishwasher. Hallelujah. But we don't worship our dishwasher. We don't worship our dishwasher or the plates or the food on the plates. We worship Jesus. We keep him center. And it's not about stuff. So listen, it said, remember the Levites. Why did it say remember the Levites? Because the Levites were not given any inheritance. They did not get any land. Their inheritance was the Lord. I think that says, remember people who are giving their lives to feed you spiritually, serve you spiritually, and their focus is on the Lord and on you. That would be our kind of kingdom Levites nowadays, all right? Missionaries, pastors, teachers, folks that are pouring into you. Remember them. Include them in your party. So I expect a lot of invitations for Thanksgiving, all right? Uh, We'll try to get over there. Let us know what you're serving. We'll be over and to what time you're eating. And then secondly, remember the foreigner. How many of you know it's good over the holidays to invite folks that might be in transition might be in transition relationally, uh, might be from another country, uh, whatever the situation. In other words, make room at your table for people who are in need. Not just your family. Open your home up. Let other people come around your table. Let them experience your love. Let them experience your kindness and, and the goodness of the Lord. Is this making sense to everybody? So how do we keep our hearts zoned in when we're blessed? 
first fruits, first day of the week, give them our best, bow and worship, declare God's been faithful. Here's what's in my hand. That's why I'm able to give something, God, because you're faithful. Look to the future. You, you always give looking to the future. So I give on Sunday. That means Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, God has to provide for my needs. That's what that means, because I didn't give out of my excess or my le- leftover. I gave my first and I gave my best. So that means I have to trust God the next few days of the week. How I many you know that's a great way to, to establish faith in our hearts? And it keeps us close so that you can prosper and so that you can have more than enough in every situation. Last thing I want to say is this. No matter how blessed we get, always be willing to give it all away if God says to. Because what he's after is faith. He's not after self-sufficiency. So the bigger your bank account and the greater your portfolio, that does not mean I don't need God. That would be terrible to get to that place. God has a way of always keeping you holding on tight. Everybody know what I'm talking about? When Marion and I had nothing, both of us in school, I was in school, she was helping pay for my school. We had a meager bank account and we heard of a need here and the Holy Spirit said, meet the need. I said, Lord, that means everything. And he said, yep. We wrote that check. Do you know it was one of the most joyous occasions? There was such supernatural joint. We, we gave our last penny to meet a need. And do you know that it wasn't within a week the job that I was applying for paid me twice uh, twice over the window of the salary that was negotiable. They gave me two times that above the, the ceiling that they told me. In other words, God took the amount we gave and he doubled it before the end of the week. Now, I'm telling this story 30 years later because here's, here's the principle. God's trying to father you and he can't show you how amazing he is if you keep everything under lock and key and try to become self-sufficient. That's not his goal for you, is not self-sufficiency. It's always being absolutely dependent upon God for everything. So hold on loosely and enjoy the ride and let God, I just pray God's so able as a church family to entrust us with real riches that we, the stuff we do with our money and the blessing we sow and it's just a a beautiful spirit of generosity because that's totally kingdom when that happens. Then the people start coming from left, right, north, south, east, west and that the glory of the Lord is here to set people free. That's so much what's in my heart. And that's really why I feel like the Lord wanted us to preach this right before Thanksgiving. Let's go into Thanksgiving more dependent upon Jesus than we've ever been, more grateful for the past and more excited about the future than we ever have been. So let's pray right now. Father, as we have a chance to sow, we just want to sow in faith. We want to bless you. We want to honor you. We want to trust you. We want to give you what's first and we want to give you what's best, Lord. We ask you to prosper us. I pray for every business owner, Lord, that you continue to bless them so that they can be a blessing. Lord, every, every person who works for their company, Lord, on the marketplace, bless and prosper them, promote them, give them great favor, Lord, and allow those resources again to be used for your kingdom purposes. We thank you for this privilege now. We ask you to bless it as we get, get ready to move into this wonderful week of Thanksgiving. Bless our week, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.